The secret effect sometimes covers family violence, which could be triggering to someone who has experienced abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Katie Greenman. I'm a sociologist, writer, and researcher. And I'm Willis Kemry. I'm a professional comedian, but I spend my spare time making people uncomfortable, talking about true crime or just fucked up shit people do. Which is where we come together, because when I was 28 years old, I discovered that my dad had another secret family. This experience inspired my PhD, which is called Family Secrets, Secret Families. And with it, I explore the impacts of major family secret discoveries on people's lives. We realize the importance of our voice when we are silenced. I didn't shower today. Oh, gross, Liz. <laughs> True. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to The Secret Effect. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. I think that's the one. Okay, Google. Press play. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> this one. Here we are. Here we are again. <laughs> Betwixty. Welcome to Betwixty number three. Yeah. Number three? Yeah, number three. Number three. Betwixty number three. I would say we don't have to worry about that. Okay. Like, you don't have to, like, play to it. Okay. Kind of thing. It's really making me nervous for some reason. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't stop looking at it. It's just Okay, extra. pretend it's not there. It's extra, yeah. Okay. This is Thanks. what's going to go out, and then that'll be for, like, promo things and, like, chop-ups and stuff like okay. that. So it won't be... Just, like, normal. Yeah. It won't okay. Be, it won't be, like, they'll, be, they'll get to watch this at all. All right. So I would say don't even worry about it. <laughs> it's, it's not there. So, Betwixty Three, we are going to be talking about DNA and family secrets today. Yeah. DNA testing, to be specific. Mm -hmm. This is such a Pandora's box of an issue. It's something that is growing and growing. People are now able to do DNA tests at home. You can, you've probably been advertised to whenever you've jumped on Instagram or YouTube or something like this. Um, they're everywhere at the moment. There's a whole lot of different companies and DNA tests, are, the pricing has really gone down. You can get a home DNA test kit for, I don't know, 50 bucks, 60, 70 bucks. And then if you add on a few more tests, say for health, maybe it goes up to 100, 150 bucks, but it's really accessible now, unlike any time before, which is why so many more people are doing them. So the thing where they intersect with family secrets is that people often take a home DNA test kit thinking, oh, I wonder if I've got some Viking in my history or I wonder if I've got, you know, maybe some um, interesting <laughs> culture to you, like some whatever culture. Why Viking? Yeah, well... <laughs> That's kind of what I was hoping to find. <laughs> I don't mind the occasional Viking. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> um, a more contemporary Viking, obviously, when it comes to DNA testing, we're talking about the Vikings of the past. 
Um, but Way to bring it back. Way to bring it back. Yes. Yes. Um, so I think people really tend to go in with a lot of curiosity about their mm. ethnicity estimates. And that is something that you can access um, via these home DNA test kits. And it's the family secret, uh, sorry, it's the familial relationships that people are not really expecting to see when they look at these DNA test results. But these are the ones where the family secrets come to light. So you might think, okay, I want to find out what's my percentage of, um, you know, maybe maybe I have Ashkenazi um, Jewish um, ethnicity, maybe I have something else. So you look at the ethnicity page, that's fine. And then you jump over to the familial relationship page and something doesn't add up. Ah. Perhaps you have um, discovered that your father or mother isn't a biological relative. Ugh. These are the main kinds of family secrets people see. Um, How do you find that out in the in the actual ancestry? So like if you went on and did ancestry, because wouldn't your your parent need to have done it as well in order for you to figure that out or like how do you because if i'm if i'm the only person in my family who uploads my dna family secrets won't really come let's say my mom isn't my biological mother i Mm -hmm. wouldn't know that unless she also uploaded her dna right or if your biological mother had uploaded her DNA if she had so the mum that you that who raised you Mm -hmm. um she doesn't have to have done it if your biological mother has um but there's other ways as well because you can you could look to see I mean say your grandmother or somebody like this had uploaded her DNA and if there was no biological relationship whatsoever you could see that there was something going on there right okay um and yeah, so these are the kinds of things that people can discover. And I think it really is a shock because people like the DNA test companies will um, will advertise and they'll say, buy it as a really fun gift for Mother's Day or Father's Day in particular, these kind of family oriented days. Um, they'll say, why don't you get this kind of gift as a this kind of item as a gift or for Christmas, something like this. And people really have not sorted out themselves. They've just been given this as a present mm-hmm. and they have as a gift, right? Mm-hmm. They have no expectations. Yeah. Did you find anything unexpected when you looked at yours? Uh, 1% Middle Eastern. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which yeah. is basically, or less than, less than 1%. Um, yeah, that was the only thing, but no. Mm-mm. Other than that, um, no, it more so led to me asking my dad questions mm-hmm. about our family because my dad was really curious about family tree and genealogy and the likes. And so from that, I found out quite a bit that I'm excited to share with you because mm-hmm. I just spoke to him today. I asked him a bunch of questions and I asked him if I could talk about all the stuff and he said yes. So the test itself, not really. I have mm-hmm. a, <clears throat> I have a couple here, <clears throat> like, um, this is, okay, like you said, with people logging on for, to, first and foremost, they're curious about their ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mine's so boring. <laughs> it's just all <laughs> Europe. Yeah. It's so boring. And it got even worse, because <laughs> the only person. 
<laughs> not only is it just all Europe, which is so boring to me, no offense, Europe. Um, <clears throat> but then the only, there are three people who reached out. All of them couldn't be more dry. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so they reached out to you inside um, in the, the Ancestry app. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once you connected with Hi, them. Elizabeth. As we match, all my known ancestors are from southeast of Ireland, Kilkenny, and Wexford generally. All were born and died in Ireland. Wow. <laughs> he mentioned that they were all born and died. <laughs> <laughs> He's the last remaining guy in Ireland. Sure. If you want to more, get back to me. <laughs> uh, what a charmer. That's from him. And then the, then this one, I was like, okay, so that's already quite dry. Yeah. Then, then the only other person to reach out and the closest relative is a nun. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Was your was your mother Anne Marie? I'm the daughter of Joe and Connie Whitworths. <laughs> Stan Yazerski was my mother's uncle. Are you familiar with Shemokin, but from the Philadelphia area? We're related. Sister with sister of oh, we should probably block that out. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, she's been the sister of Mercy since 1962. Wow. <clears throat> I'm gonna reach out to. Both of them, though, because um, I think after this, my dad and I are going to get more into it and do mm-hmm. the family tree. He was so... Really? Yeah, he was so curious. My dad, I, when I spoke to him today, he was like, oh, you know, well, Elizabeth, I, I was doing the family tree before DNA tests were available, <laughs> so it was a lot harder. Yes, um, yeah. But he, yeah, he was so curious, and so he, he was digging quite deep into it and he cleaned out our original computer was a Dell and he once we moved we upgraded to um, Mac uh, he cleaned out the entire Dell computer and that whole computer is designated to the genealogy tree that he's putting together wow yeah so we have a whole uh, yeah Computer and when I spoke to him today he was like he knew so much um, and has some cool stories that I didn't know about. That's amazing, and that's so dedicated as well. Mm-hmm. But the, like I told you, I forgot that he went to university, uh, and he has a degree in sociology. <laughs> Biddy's dad, we want you. <laughs> yeah, we, we really would, want you to come on. I would actually, I would love to talk to him <laughs> because he was a um, he worked for a company called Contact in. Uh, Pennsylvania when I was growing up and I when when he stopped working for contact I was a teenager so I don't remember him working there that much I remember going to work with him um, when he was there and waiting in the in the little waiting room mm. and heating up water in a coffee mug and pretending I was him and I would just <laughs> like sit and drink hot Aww. water okay. um, but he worked for a company called Contact, and they were a suicide prevention hotline. And I didn't know that because growing up at that age, and he, when he was working there, he would tell me, I would say, like, Dad, what do you do for work? Like, what do you do all day? And he would say, uh, well, Elizabeth, <laughs> when people are lost, they call me, and I give them directions. Mm-hmm. And I really genuinely thought he was a GPS. <laughs> I really thought, like, yeah. 
And I used to tell people into high school until one day, he, I think he overheard me talking to a friend and he was like, what are you talking about? Oh. Like, I worked for a suicide prevention hotline. And I was like, wow. Oh. Yeah, he's, oh, he's the man. Yeah. They, my dad is so wonderful. They, they literally call him, uh, he's well known in my high school. He was more so. He's not as much anymore because we're all grown up and out of the house. He's, he was known in my high school, and he still has a bit of a reputation. Everyone calls him the legend. Really? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, because he's just a, he's a, a super dope guy. Yeah. And I find it um, fascinating because, and, we'll, and like, we'll talk about this in a bit. I say that all the time. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> we will get to it. We will. We will. But um, I find it fascinating after talking to him about some of this stuff because we're talking about how your DNA shapes your identity. And mm. some people are really mm-hmm. curious about their DNA and their genealogy because it helps for them to uncover more about themselves mm-hmm. or understand more about themselves. And the whole thing about nature versus nurture or, you know, your genetics versus your upbringing versus mm. society uh, culture. Mm-hmm. And with my dad on a couple different levels, but the first one is, you know, he was raised completely differently to the way that he raised me. Right. Like, um, and so truly what of your, you know, genetics is then passed on because he's... Mm -hmm. He was, they were very strict household, very like meat and potatoes, Mm -hmm. religious. My dad was then stopped eating red meat and, and it wasn't a rebellious thing. It was just, that's just not for us. Mm -hmm. And he were atheist. Um, We went to church on Sunday, but my dad said to like have family time and get free donuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. His dad goals, by the way. He's he, he is, really is. He really is. He's absurd. Yeah. Oh. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know where I stopped you off. Now I got. No 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 no. Okay. That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, and that whole idea of nature nurture. I mm-hmm. think. Um, yeah, it is fascinating, and there's always that divide because you think, well, I need to know about my biological and genetic origins in order to really understand where I've come from but then also um, particularly perhaps in the case of people who have been adopted or people who have grown up with a parent who is not their biological parent for some other reason um, it's just as important and maybe that is equally important as to who they are so I mm-hmm. don't know I feel like the picture is the puzzle is complicated when it comes to that okay there's no set answer so two things one I was like why what do, I, that is my question it's like what does DNA mean for your identity mm-hmm. or what do people think it is going to mean for their identity and then I have like a couple of different things one I have this thing that I read okay so I read one article mm-hmm. and now I think I'm a pro, like I know everything about yeah. DNA testing from a sociology standpoint yeah. because it was an academic article <laughs> we've got our glasses on dear listeners and dear listeners <laughs> <laughs> um uh <laughs> um okay it said 
What DNA means for identity. Early fears that genetics would lend itself to a process of uh, reification and standardization of identities have been superseded by a growing appreciation for the extent to which individuals resist, appropriate, or accommodate themselves to genetic power knowledge in line with diverse identity politics, not schemes of centralized or capillary control. Mm -hmm. So I found that quote really interesting because it says everything and nothing at the same time <laughs> welcome to sociology exactly it's, it's saying it's it makes in one sentence it makes a case for yeah both things mm -hmm. um but it yeah it was saying they people were worried about i guess like a standardization of identities because of dna um but actually it's made it much more complicated because people mm -hmm. are like resisting appropriating or accommodating due to the information that comes up from it yes Yes, and maybe it could be summed up by us saying it's part of the picture, but it's just not everything. Yeah. It's not everything. It's how you feel. It's who you choose to have a life with, and it's who you really feel is your family. Surely um, there's more richness to that than what is is embedded in your DNA. And yet I feel like the opposite can be true for people who have no idea. Um, that was one of the reasons that I was inspired to take um, DNA tests um, and in fact I've done all of the ones that I possibly could find to do with all the companies because one of my people that I interviewed in my research said to me that for people who have been um, adopted or for people where they are basically the only person in their family tree the more people who do DNA tests the more they can start to put the pieces of the puzzle of who they are together because mm -hmm. eventually you can connect things up and I thought that's such a a wonderful reason to do a DNA test that's not for yourself it's for other people it's an altruistic reason mm -hmm. and I fully got on board with all of them after that and I've actually said that to a couple of people who've been really heavily critical of DNA testing home DNA testing as a concept because actually there can be some really important reasons. And um, for many people, they're not able to access any information whatsoever about who their parents are. Um, if you do know who your parents are or who at least one of your parents are, maybe it's hard to imagine what that might be like. I find it quite hard to imagine what it would be like to not know any of my parents at all. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I really feel a lot of empathy for that. And so did this um, interviewee, and he really taught me a lesson there. I think that's a really, that was a powerful moment for me in this in this project, and it really made sense. Um, yeah. I mean, people have a lot of privacy concerns. Mm -hmm. That's where a lot of the criticism around yeah. DNA testing, and then what are they using all this data for? Are they going to get me somehow... You know, are they going to um, sell it to pharmaceutical companies or insurance companies and these kind of things? And perhaps these oh, concerns are very. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps these concerns. Egocentric? Are, no. No, no. I mean, there are there can be issues, but of course, this is very much anonymized. Um, whenever research is conducted with yeah. these kind of massive data sets, and we're talking mm. millions of bits of data here, so yeah, hopefully not re-identifiable. People who put, you know tape over your camera right on your laptop I mean 
one, what on earth are you doing? What mm-hmm. are you doing in your house? That like, can't be. I sure. I don't know if you're masturbating or like you're naked in front of your camera. Mm-hmm. I don't. Sure, hackers. Yeah, go ahead. Cover it up. <laughs> I don't know, but um, the with um, the peep. There's a lot of concern, I guess, in the criminology world mm-hmm. as well because. Um, People think that DNA companies sell their information, their DNA, to, like, the cops or give it to the cops so the cops have access to it. Mm-hmm. Yes. But at least in the States, that's not true. In the States, you have to take your DNA and upload it to the federal DNA site mm-hmm. or whatever in order for them to use it. Yeah. They have used DNA um, sites in order to find criminals, but... Mm-hmm. That is via them creating accounts and uploading the criminal's DNA mm-hmm. to the site and then looking for matches. Yes. But not because they have uh, personal access to the... Mm. I think in some cases, um, and GEDmatch is the name of the database, this one that you're talking about, we, we can provide some links um, for our listeners to, to check out if you're interested. Um, but they will... They will use um, genetic genealogy techniques to kind of triangulate and put people's DNA together and perhaps they might have the DNA um, with permission um, of people around that individual that that is a suspect and they'll be able to put it together and say, we believe that it's very likely that this in conjunction with a whole lot of circumstantial evidence points to the fact that this person is actually um, the perpetrator and they've managed to catch quite a lot of people who have committed abhorrent crimes, serial killers and and people like this. Um, So really important work, really amazing work. Yeah, it's how they found the Golden State Killer. Yeah, absolutely. After decades. There's an article that I want to upload to our social media that you posted about um, the Golden State Killer. What was that? What is that article? can't remember I, I have it on I have it on the drive but I'll upload it to our social okay. media because it was fascinating it was something to do with um, the golden secular but I can't remember what it was yeah I'll upload it yeah yes I think it was um, explaining some of the genetic genealogy techniques that were used to yeah um, in in exposing this um, particular person and bringing him to justice so many families who are finally able to understand what happened and mm-hmm. um, I think it's extraordinary and personally I have um, agreed I've opted in to participate in all of the research that's being conducted and all of these kind of things like I'm happy for the anybody to access my DNA for any of these kinds of purposes if I can if my DNA can somehow be used for this kind of purpose and I know a lot of people aren't comfortable with that mm-hmm. but the way that these companies work is that it's opt-in mm-hmm. so you're not kind of automatically um, having your personal data used for this kind of purpose so it's up to you there's only one thing that I think of because my knee-jerk reaction to um, hearing people be like, I don't want them to have my DNA. Mm-hmm. I don't want people like the privacy concern is your own. If that's mm-hmm. how you feel. My knee jerk reaction is, you know, give my body to science, <laughs> give everything mm-hmm. to science. That's just how I'm wired. 
But I remember recently going to the Dutch Resistance Museum. Uh-huh. And one thing that I found incredibly shocking was that um, the government did a census uh, during World War II in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And most people applied and therefore they were, or like participated. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore they were, they immediate, the Germans had immediately had access to where all of the Jewish people in the Netherlands were. Mm-hmm. It was like a voluntary, uh, and everybody went and signed up. And, you know, I know that that's an extreme mm-hmm. Um, and may that never happen in society ever, 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 ever again. Mm -hmm. Um, but that is in the back of my mind with the privacy concerns, Mm -hmm. you know, if you wanted to remain anonymous, if there's, you know, another dictator to come through and Mm -hmm. say, like, if you have this strand of DNA, this is, I'm uploaded. Mm -hmm. Yes. And even if there's. I mean, if somebody can hack into it and take that data, I'm not sure how they would use it against you, but perhaps our listeners have an idea. Um, I mean, the concerns that I know people have had is around insurance um, and people not being able to get particular types of health insurance. Mm. If If their DNA test shows that they might have a higher tendency towards getting a particular type of cancer perhaps or some other illness maybe the insurance company could then use that information and decide not to insure them against this kind of thing so those are the concerns i guess around health and privacy at the moment but i've also had somebody say to me well you don't know what will happen in the future what technology will be able to do in the future when we understand more and more about dna and so you've already given over all your genetic material mm-hmm. like have it guys have it as many of you can have it as possible as as wants it and you know what might they do in the future with it i mean yeah. we don't know That's it's what I mean. yeah it's possible um quite happy to personally i'm quite happy to take that risk i just find it so interesting yeah to see what develops in this field i f- i think it's fascinating um, and I'm really in support of health research in general, even if some of the research is conducted by companies like pharmaceutical companies, I feel as though, yes, of course, it's big pharma and there's um, huge profits lining the pockets of these fat cats. But by the same token, the wealth of um, data that is collected in these kinds of circumstances, it's massive. and. You can see patterns and trends. You can understand things that you would never be able to see on a small level. And I think that's critical that Mm -hmm. we can understand that across different kinds of populations. So, yes, so these are some of the health issues, I guess, privacy issues. You know, I'm I'm half conspiracy theorist. <laughs> no, I just find them fascinating and ridiculous and interesting. So I think I I'm I'm 100% agree with you about I am all behind it, you know, the upload it and let's learn some stuff. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think more po- it's 90% 99% going to be positive and wonderful the mm-hmm. more information we have on that and a one percent 
<laughs> dictator scare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These are factual statistics, by the way. Yeah, the one that I just said. Yeah. 99%. They're right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Google it. Factual stats. <laughs> yeah. Um, when it comes to family secrets, though, mm-hmm. discovered via DNA, um, I was hoping, actually, to find more because I thought, oh, well, I've, I've discovered a couple of, um, you know, half siblings, not through DNA testing, but um, I thought, I wonder how many more are out there. Um, none yet. Not okay. yet, but I do get emails every now and again from the DNA companies with new matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to dispel a bit of a myth, though. There's a myth out there that 10% of fathers are actually not the biological father of the child. People wow. bandy about this statistic as though it's one in 10, and they'll, they might frame it as though one in 10 women have had an affair or are lying about the paternity of their child and so this father is you know raising a child that's not their own and Uh that's very problematic um actually that's a load of rubbish (laughs) it is not anything like 10 percent at all it's actually around one percent so and this is purely the the father to child relationship. Mm. Um, there's a really amazing um, biologist and geneticist by the name of Martin Lamusso, who's working in um, Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a scholar in this area and he's also spent a lot of time and done a lot of research in genetic genealogy. And he takes a population approach. It's so different to sociology, but he's kind of looking at the other side of the coin from what my research looks at so he's also looking at family secrets and these he calls them misattributed paternity um events that happen within the close family so finding out that your dad isn't your dad and instead of interviewing people and finding out about the impacts he looks at across the world across history across time what are the numbers here Mm -hmm. so he's really a numbers man and he has his research has shown that it's actually very close to one percent Um, And he's also looked at the number of DNA test kits that have been sold. So uh, when he was writing um, this particular article, which we will link to, um, he published this last year. Um, There were about 16 million people who've who've undertaken a home DNA test kit. And so 1% of that, even though 1% doesn't sound like a lot, it's still 160,000 people. Yeah. who've probably discovered that their dad isn't their biological dad. Sheesh. That's a fuckload of people, actually. Uh-huh. 160,000 individuals, because it's not just the individual who has taken that DNA test, but it's everybody else in that family as well. Um, and perhaps they knew it. Perhaps the, the person has always grown up knowing that they were donor-conceived or um, you know that their biological father is someone else. But there's probably a whole lot of family secrets within that number only to do with um, the father-child relationship. And Mm -hmm. so perhaps that's more common than the mother-child relationship. Um, We don't know. We don't know about the numbers for other um, 
types of family secrets discovered through DNA test kits. Maybe the DNA companies know and they haven't told us. Mm. Um, But I just thought that was really interesting and I wanted to put that out there that it's actually only 1%, but it does mean a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, for example, you've got um, three brothers and sisters. So if you were the one, one of the 160,000 that happened to discover this, actually that affects your three other siblings. It would affect your dad, your biological dad, your mum, everybody else around you guys as well, who are also in the family. Um, so there is this kind of ripple effect happening. And I would like to say that... Um, we should take this 160,000. So this was captured at a moment in time where there were 16 million people who would, had done a test. So 1% of that, but actually the ripple effect, it's impossible to put a number on what that actually looks like. But my, I would argue that it's many, many hundreds of thousands more people who are impacted directly mm-hmm. by this kind of family secret discovery via a DNA test kit. So it's actually a pretty huge phenomenon and it's increasing because the sale of DNA test kits is just skyrocketing. Yeah. Especially now you said it's getting cheaper. Yes. Absolutely. Mine There's a hundred. Right. Yeah. There's supposed to be up to a hundred million kits sold by the end of next year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So a hundred million, um, one percent of that is a million. Isn't it? <laughs> I was like, shit, is that even true? You're 100 million? Yes, 1% is 1 million. <laughs> it's because you looked me in the eyes after the math and my, my insecurities made you insecure because I immediately did not know. I yes. don't, I don't, I'm so bad at numbers, it's unreal. We're really good at words though. That's the least something, <laughs> if not numbers. But it's 1 million, you guys. Um, um, so, yes, it's going to increase in the coming years. Um, it's yeah it's on an upward trajectory which is um kind of what i thought was really uh interesting about why we brought this up in the first place that i hadn't thought about um at the beginning of getting to know you and doing this podcast which is that um you had said there are a lot of ethics and um considerations to be made around using mm-hmm. like a direct-to-consumer product like DNA testing home kits because you know there aren't really as quick as it's growing as quickly as it's growing there aren't as many kind of like resources being made available or mm-hmm. um, you know comments about this the psycho psychology but our sociology impacts and effects behind it kind of put in place because this is just like woohoo it's fun it's great everyone mm-hmm. do it and everyone get involved and it's um exponentially getting more and more popular um but i was like when i when i heard you say that i was like i would have never thought to be mindful or or consider mm-hmm. who's responsible for the effects that are going to happen from the growing amount of people who are finding these things out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Genetic counsellors are experts in this. If you ever have a a DNA discovery of your own that's quite shocking or you find out something you weren't expecting to, I would really recommend speaking to a genetic counsellor because they understand this. They can explain it to you what it means um it's quite um complex sometimes for people to 
really interpret the results that they get. And I think that leads to a lot of confusion and distress. Um, the DNA test companies, of course, are not responsible for whatever has happened in your family. However, as the messenger and as the people who facilitate this, um, I do think that they have a responsibility to provide support and to provide um, really clear information and to help people interpret the results that they give. Mm-hmm. So um, they have really been criticised for not providing enough support and people go back to them um, and, you know, one of my interviewees, for example, who discovered her biological father isn't who she thought it was through a DNA test kit, she went back to the DNA companies because they just send out a, out a little oh, how did you find the DNA test kit? Was it fun? Do a little yeah. feedback It thing. has a yellow smiley face, a red, an angry face, and a green. <laughs> exactly. Super smiley face. Exactly. And she wrote quite an extensive response. She explained everything that had happened. She spoke to her dad about this, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, got nothing back. And perhaps that wasn't exactly the right method of speaking to the DNA test kit companies but they reached out to her even if it was in an automated sense to kind of track and evaluate her experience of their product she responded with her experience of their product and got nothing Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's good enough I think people need a lot more support it's it's huge and perhaps this is the first person or company whatever that she's confessed this to or revealed this to after speaking with her own family and when you're going through something like this through a major family secret discovery it's huge she just found out her dad isn't who she thought it was and he didn't know either so it's not as though he knew and was just kind of keeping the secret what is the case study this one what happened in the in in the, what what happened with this <laughs> now i'm so curious yeah with the pe- this woman yeah um she has continued to have a really wonderful relationship with her father um i from what i know and i haven't had an update um recently but from what i know they always had a really strong relationship and nothing has changed but she certainly changed the way she thinks about family and she hasn't um at the time of the interview she hadn't reached out to her biological father mm-hmm. so perhaps she has by now does she know the story between behind why her dad doesn't her the the man who raised her didn't know either um no she doesn't or at least when i interviewed her she decided not to approach her mum with it. I don't think she had a very strong relationship um, with her mum. And so at the time of the interview, that was still a mystery to her. Mm. So maybe she's spoken with her family by now. I wouldn't be surprised. Was the man who raised her and her mum still together? No. Okay. No. So, yeah, it's a really, um, really intense experience to go through. And I think... Um, in this case, the woman spoke to her um, father who raised her in a very sensitive and very respectful and gra- graceful kind of way. Graceful? I don't know. Sure. I'm Whatever. Listening. Poised. She was poised. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, and they were able to have a really open conversation about it. 
um, and at the time of the interview, the relationship was still really strong. Um, I don't think that's the case with all people. Sometimes it can completely shatter when your relationships can shatter when you uh, reveal this kind of thing inside a family. So in terms of the effects of it, I, I really don't believe that the effects can be diminished. The DNA companies, I think, really have a responsibility to provide a lot of support to people around this who might be instantly reaching back out to them. I think there's that's a big gap. Um, and I think they really have to admit that this goes on. And it's a lifelong thing now, like forever, this woman will know that she has been raised by a man who's not her genetic father, and yet he is her father, of course. Um, and she has so many decisions to make. How many people do you tell? You know, there's this this sense of always having to reveal or not reveal the secret. Um, are there any health issues that she might need to be now aware of? Perhaps her biological father passed away early from a genetic disease. I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? And yeah, I think the that this kind of experience opens up a Pandora's box where there's so many more questions than answers. And it's framed by the DNA companies as though we've got the answer to your Mm -hmm. ethnicity and to your family, Mm -hmm. um, to your health questions Mm -hmm. that can be answered by DNA. But I don't really want to answer any more than that. (laughs) No. Yeah. No. Um, if you have discovered something like this or you know somebody who has, there are some really very supportive um, Facebook groups as well. I would, and we've all already said this before, but we would always recommend professional support and individualized support for you. However, if you're wanting to speak to other people who've had the same kind of experience, the biggest group on Facebook is called NP, sorry, DNA NPE Friends, and that means non-parent expected friends. Um, and that was started by a lady named Catherine St. Clair. Um, no relation to my Instagram name, by the way, which is <laughs> Katie LaRue St. Clair. Um, but she started this amazing group and there's thousands and thousands of people in the group. And it's a very, very supportive and understanding place to discuss with other people who've been through the same experience. Um, and so if you're looking for that kind of peer support, that's available. Cool. That sounds great. Facebook groups. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice though. You're still using Facebook? Who's no. using Facebook these days? <laughs> I don't know. No, I think Facebook groups are a great spot to yeah. still just like go on. And I'm on a couple of different ones and... It's just fun to see what uh, like-minded people post, even just memes, and it's fun to be like, ah, I get that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They get me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I think they can be quite supportive, and I mean, there's only so much that, um, yeah, I mean, a genetic counsellor or somebody like this can provide a lot of support and help you interpret results and things like this but it's always really nice to just have a chat to somebody who gets it because it's happened to them as well yeah Um, Uh, when I spoke to my dad earlier I asked him like what do you think do you think any of the results that you found doing this like research mm. has affected your identity at all um 
and he said, nah. <laughs> and I was like, well, dad, it, 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 it's affected me and my identity because uh, my dad always used to say to me when I was a kid, um, be careful. When we, especially when we started drinking, he would say, be careful. Uh, it runs in the family. Uh. And he wouldn't even need to say being an alcoholic. Um, and he's not, he, he drinks, but, um, his dad was an alcoholic mm-hmm. and, um, his grandfather was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them, I would say abusive alcoholics, mm-hmm. um, they would abuse it. And then my dad, um, so my dad always used to say that to me where he would be like, be careful. It runs in the family. So now I've always thought of myself as a born alcoholic like I was born an alcoholic and I am constantly taking steps to not become an abusive alcoholic Mm -hmm. uh and whenever I go so you know recently I I I think in the past couple of years like in the past three years it has gotten out of hand somewhat I've had like a really challenging job Mm. and it's I'm around alcohol all the time and so it's quite easy to let it get away from you um but uh, even more recently in the past quarantine I've been really focusing on like my health and like mental health and physical health and mm-hmm. a lot of that has to do with like cutting out alcohol and then when I've like eased myself back into because I went cold turkey really and then when I've eased myself back into having a drink here and there Mm -hmm. I have to like when I'm at the grocery store I have to like really I always say to myself be careful it runs in the family Mm. so I'll like get less or have one less like I I hold myself back because I can I can feel that like addictive personality in me and Mm -hmm. I'm like I wonder if it would have been there if my dad never said anything or if I would have felt it and just not addressed it and Mm -hmm. it would have gotten out of it could have gone either way Yes. Where I could have just not been paying attention to it. Yeah. And it would have either never come to fruition in my mind or come to fruition at all, or I would have become an abusive alcoholic and not Mm. really known, not taken steps to prevent it. Mm. Do you feel like it's even more something that you should take seriously because there's that genetic element to it? Like you might have inherited something? Yeah, I I I feel like I... Like, in, in my heart of hearts, mm. I'm an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and because it's genetic, and because it's it's been passed down in my family. Yeah. And what's interesting is, like, because I've seen, now I have it in my head that, be, because he said it to me, I've seen symptoms of it in me mm-hmm. come through, but not for my siblings. So, in my head, I have, I feel like it's been passed down to me, mm-hmm. but it skipped my siblings. Like, mm-hmm. I'm the addict in the family that got the the alcoholic genes. Mm-hmm. And my other siblings didn't, and they're lucky. Yes, <laughs> yes absolutely. And um, when it comes to DNA testing and this kind of thing, I mean, you have a very interesting family. In fact, perfect, because you have twins, mm-hmm. twin sisters, and you also have a brother. So you have... Um, male, female, and twins. Um, all of you will have completely different genetic material, but you will share it. I, I do. Uh, my sisters are fraternal, so they aren't identical. They look nothing alike, and they're quite opposite as well. Yes. In personalities-wise, I'd, I'd say they're 
you know, opposite but similar. One of them's pretty, like, good with confrontation, and she likes to go out more. She's very social. The other one is very, like, reserved and mm-hmm. shy. Well, while you were describing your know, beautiful yeah. sisters, um, wonderful sisters, um, the research shows that fraternal twins, like your sisters, only share 50% of their DNA of their genetic material, whereas identical twins share a hundred percent. So I think that's where my confusion stemmed from. I was like, which one is it? Well, it's both depending on the type of twins. Um, so that is really interesting to consider because maybe you're onto something with this, um, tendency for something to run in the family, but only be passed down to, um, one or more of the children, not all of them, because everybody has different genetic material. And so um, you won't have the same results as your sister or brother or other sister. And also when it comes to the ethnicity estimates as well, which are always Mm -hmm. only ever an estimate, every DNA test company has a different result. Mm -hmm. So you can test all over the place and maybe you have 9% Middle Eastern at another company mm. even though it's one at one percent at one company um yes that's my yeah i mean it's a, it's liter- a literal black sheep yeah right because you have a bunch of white sheep they're all the same family and one's <laughs> born with a little bit you know i mean you can see that with physical appearances too if that matters at all but um, you know, my little brother looks nothing like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just dark and handsome and we're not. <laughs> no, my sisters are gorgeous. Um, and I'm stunning. Yes. <laughs> Honey. Absolutely Producer stunning. Producer Pat's telling me to cool it. <laughs> Pat, I can't. I can't, Pat. You see this? It's too hot. Do you see this? My hair is half blonde, half brown. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I, so my dad goes, and then after I I said that to him, I said, you know, it's affected me, and I consider myself an alcoholic who got ahead of it because my dad has always warned me about it. Um, And he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, I guess that's right. Yeah, because that's how he feels as well. Mm -hmm. And he's always been very aware of it. He's just never wanted to be, you know, um, he hasn't wanted to behave like his dad did. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he, every year for Lent, uh, which is a Catholic holiday. Holiday. I don't think you should call it a holiday. <laughs> it's like Jesus was like wandering or something in the desert for a while. Don't quote me. <laughs> we went for the donuts. And <laughs> uh, sometimes I remember as a kid as well, like purposefully holding the Bible upside down while we were in church. Really? Just to see if anything really? would happen. Like to see yeah. if like Jesus noticed and like would give me a, you know, something would happen that yeah. week to, to smite me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but 
at the same time, I would fold my hands like that. I would pray like this because I also thought that Jesus was embarrassed about the fact that I would bite my fingernails. And so it was like this constant, you know, guilt trip slash rebellion thing. But yeah, he said, so Lent is 40 days and every year for 40 days, my dad doesn't have sweets or alcohol. Mm -hmm. And he says to us, and he's always said to us, he does that as a as a means of checking mm-hmm. that he is still under control. Right. Right. Um, and so the rest of the year he's happy to have a few drinks. Mm-hmm. A few, few oh, yeah, he drinks he yeah. Dr- yeah, he'll drink like he won't go nuts in one night, but he'll have yeah. like a beer a night. Mm. Um I wonder about other things being inherited too, like um I mean you you often hear people say something like Oh, she's so creative. What an artist. She definitely gets that from her grandmother. Yeah. And so as well as these maybe more negative things such as alcoholism being um, possibly passed down, mm-hmm. we can also we also hear about the talents or the special characteristics or, you know, the eye color or the, you know, physical characters, characters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what? What are they? characteristics um those aside um yeah so musical talent or something like this um and i it just makes me wonder does everything have to come from our family somewhere or can we just originate it ourselves can we be the first person Mm -hmm. to have this thing um because i don't know i mean maybe there's there's this question of, well, can we blame our genetics for our failings? And do, do we then also have to give it all the credit mm-hmm. for our positive characteristics or the things that we do that are good? Um, I don't know. I think that's a really interesting question. Where would the wild card come from? You know what I mean? Where would that spring into action? Because everything has been... All of the matter that makes up my body has come from my ancestors mm-hmm. physic on a physical level, mm-hmm. right? It has only physically come from all of it has come from ancestors. It hasn't been mm-hmm. like all a, a <laughs> sprinkle of this inside the womb as yeah. well. And stir and stir and mm-hmm. then create Liz. Um, so yeah, would there be any element that isn't mm. dedicated to the matter that you're made up mm. from? You're unique, though. And so it's the combination that is completely unique. And maybe. It's a matter of combination. Yeah, yeah. And maybe. But it isn't. That okay. is where it comes from. Okay, so if it's. If it's what. Okay, so. So it could be that. For you, one plus one equals four. When for everybody else in the world, one plus one equals two. When it comes to like the combination of what's inside of you. On a really simple, Mm -hmm. simplified term, is that? Yes, and your genetic material is put together in a different way than anybody else's. Obviously, the identical twins have the same. But aside from those two, everybody else in the world has different Mm -hmm. genetic material. Mm -hmm. Um, have, have you ever heard those stories where um, 
you know, long lost siblings come together and they have like the same pet and the Mm -hmm. same job and the same, that makes me curious about what you said. Like, I wonder if things are passed down or characteristics Mm -hmm. can be passed down in that way. Yes. Yes, for sure. And there's been some really interesting um, doppelganger theories Mm -hmm. and there's doppelganger websites you can sign up and people upload photos of themselves and there's this theory that we can't really all be unique maybe there's doppelganger out there and so you can check um to see if you resemble and it's that resemblance factor again um if you resemble other people um there was also a really interesting movie that came out i think two years ago and we'll provide a link to that as well it was about three brothers who were all in the US, they were triplets. They were given up for adoption as babies and the organization that adopt, adopted them out decided to do an experiment and they adopted each of the three boys to different families without oh, yeah, telling them. I remember them. this. Yeah. They, I don't think I watched it though. Uh, well worth it, um, for sure. Um, they, they adopted out to, I think it was in the sixties, uh, or seventies, um, a family that was considered by them to be of lower class, one of middle class and one of upper class. And this was their designations of class. And they thought, let's see what happens. So fucked up. That's right. The same genetic material, but so they wanted to answer some nature nurture questions about upbringing how does that have an impact on the outcomes for for a person for their life and eventually the boys spoiler turn it off if you don't want to listen go ahead yes thank you (laughs) um no i I think we should actually leave it no (laughs) no i need to know um well i'll also go back and watch it okay so the boys um met they found each other. The The families weren't adopted out particularly far away from each other. Um, so the boys, two of the boys got recognized. One of them... <laughs> I'm sorry, but also it's just yeah. like, I'm so ready to listen to this, but it's just like in the 60s and 70s, the experiments that they were doing and the amount of non-fucks they had for any of the people that were involved in these experiments... Like MK Ultra, and then you have the videos of like the soldiers on acid, and just like sleep deprivation, which I heard is a myth. Actually, I mm-hmm. heard that they didn't actually make people sleep not sleep for that long. Um, but just the the amount of like, oh yeah, we're just gonna, which is so, it was all men mm. leading it. Okay, oh absolutely, it's extraordinary, and I think um, we have ethics committees in place for a really good reason. Yeah, and it's not to. Um, to limit or to stifle research it's to make people go okay what will the impacts be will there be psychological physical traumatic impacts to the people involved in this research and it's really critical but of course back in the day this was um yeah pretty fucked up and of course they can't publish out of it so the insights that they've gained from testing these kids constantly they told the parents that they were um they needed to monitor the children so regularly the researchers would go to their homes and do all of these tests and so they collected so much data on these boys over the years um it's 
I mean, it's it's interesting. I have a curiosity, even though I think it's it's horrible what they put these families through. And even the boy is just not letting them have the chance to know that they were one of a triplet or to know um, their other brothers. I think there's really there's a loss there, and I think it's really sad. But of course, because this is such a hideously unscrupulous research design with real people, you know, that they've they're using as their pawns in their study you can't publish out of it. No um, journal would take a publication like this because it's so flawed, the Mm. research design. It's so problematic. And so the insights from this kind of study will never be shared. And the the distress, I think, will never be able to be assessed in um, a scientific way either. So... What happened? With the the boys. Um... Let's just say things went well until they didn't. So you have to watch the movie. I'm oh. I'm gonna send a link. Um, the movie is called Things Went Well Until They Didn't. Three Identical Strangers, and it came out in 2018. So well worth a watch. Oh. The three triplets. Oh, I can't believe you're gonna leave us with. A, a, oh. with blue with a blue clip <laughs> um, I think if it would be really interesting to hear from our listeners about whether they um, whether you guys think that you have inherited something from your family or wish you didn't but think you did um do you have any questions about DNA testing? Because there's so many elements to it and we can always bring in an expert or um, answer your questions if you if there's something that you want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, have you discovered something unexpected yourself? Have you done a DNA test? Any of these kinds of things we're really interested in hearing from you about. Or even just like, what do you, what do you think? Um, what do you think about... You know, the ethics of DNA testing. Mm-hmm. Are you someone who is more private and you can share your reasons why you're more private um, about it or you wouldn't want to participate in DNA testing and your reasons for that? We'd love to hear. Mm-hmm. Although Katie and I have both done DNA tests and we're excited about it and we'd like to participate, we'd love to hear why you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's anonymous, of course. Yes, everything is anonymous. Yes. Anonymous, anonymous. Why can't we find the anonymous? Is it in the forest? Is it in a river? It's hard to find the anonymous. It is very hard to find the anonymous, um, but <laughs> we hope to unravel this moose with you, listeners. Um, so, yeah, you can... Um, get in touch with us, DM us via our Instagram, which is at the secret effect with an E, um, or Twitter. You can DM us there. You can email us on info at the secret effect.com. Or, um, if you like, you can also subscribe to our Patreon. We've got some really fun and cool content coming out pretty soon on there just for our subscribers. So jump on board, support the podcast if you can. And a little percentage as well goes to Women's Health East, 
which is a an amazing family violence and women's health service based in eastern victoria which is where i grew up and where most of the family secret story on the main episodes that come out on thursdays was based so that's it, you're a pro that was the... great <laughs> you just nailed it oh well that's good you flew through it the twixie yeah so now we're gonna go and do our patreon video mm-hmm. about um mothers who have gotten into relationships with their sons and a daughter who fell in love with her dad mm. but if you're not a subscriber you don't get to hear it mm-hmm uh, stay tuned for the next Betwixie where we finish talking about DNA testing. Uh, we get into people who have found out about uh, sperm donors, corrupt doctors using their own sperm, um, biddies, which is me. I shouldn't talk in the third person. <laughs> it's like I'm writing. <laughs> um, my family, so a lot of things that I found talking to my dad doing mm. DNA testing. And the anonymity, is there any more anonymity because of um, DNA testing of family secrecy? Mm-hmm. In the next Betwixie, stay tuned. The Secret Effect is produced by Patrick Collins with music by Sasha Hudemacher and your hosts, Biddy Kemry and Katie Greenland.